0: Hello, and welcome to Over My Head, A Look Back at Pop's Past, presented to you by the Los Lovely Boys. We want you to please rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts most, and that way you can get these episodes as they drop. The music for our podcast, as always, is provided to you by the artist friend of yours. This is basically a podcast where we're going to dissect all things pop from the recent past. If you haven't seen any of our other episodes or listened to them, please go check those out as well. We are on our 12th episode now, and we are answering the all-important question, why did the song Glamorous by Fergie pop? And guys, I think that the thing to talk about with this, to kind of introduce it, will be, if you ain't got no money, take your broke ass home the famous line uh <laughs> in the song uh we'll get to that later uh and everything too how's everyone's week been
1: pretty good yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> it's it is as it is still uh still making this work um just got my uh antibody tracing test earlier and i got a gnarly bruise out of it but otherwise we are we are trucking along
0: yeah this is would be three full months of episodes actually progress. really so uh 12 well yeah because this is our 12th show so that's three months worth basically uh, of stuff wow. it flies by really yeah. um yeah on the last episode i had some editing uh mistakes too so we're still a work in progress uh here so those of you guys who listened last time uh i accidentally cut some of uh me talking which i thought was kind of ironic too uh that i I misrepresented myself not being able to talk so still working on stuff and you know still doing it live so i
2: mean me talking to myself about music is kind of on brand (laughs)
1: and that that too i mean we've increased our output of shows so i think we're doing two a week now and anthony edits it all so you know he he does a lot behind the scenes folks and um yeah when you're handling hours and hours of audio and you miss a few seconds, stuff happens. So, you know, give him cred where credit's is due.
0: Yeah, it wasn't the worst thing to be uh, cut out either. So it wasn't like a whole segment or anything. So we'll take it as we roll. But thank you guys for listening still, uh, even through all that too. So let's get into some music. Uh, Chris, I know you have a lot of music that you uh, or have been listening to. Uh, Bauer drop. So those mm-hmm. of you who know Bauer for Harlem Shake, this is nothing like Harlem Shake, uh, and it, it probably good that it isn't, um, but the album is pretty good and pretty interesting movie
2: that he released with it, yep, too. Planet's Mad. It is really <laughs> we,
0: good. It, Chris sent us this at, like, noon on a Thursday. Yeah, he
2: did, like, a YouTube premiere of it, and I, uh... Yeah, if anyone from my job is, is uh... Is listening to this i i i definitely was actually uh sick at that time so
0: <laughs> <laughs> it was uh it made me sick watching a little bit uh it, it felt like a big acid trip uh of, in bowers mind uh with yeah he, different creatures and <laughs> you know it's cool earths um, and worlds it was, it was what's wild cool
2: is if you go on spotify like each of the songs have like different maps of the planet and like some of the different creatures and whatnot from it and the like he made a whole little mini Star Wars type universe and it is just a really elaborate album. I'm definitely a fan. I was listening to that a bunch today. Um definitely one of the more anticipated albums of probably the year for me. Um and I mean I I will always go to bat for Bauer. He's made He's made some incredible music that isn't Harlem Shake. (laughs) And I, uh, yeah, I'll I'll always, um, I'll always uh, remind people that he's not just a one hit wonder.
1: Quick question. Hmm. Um, So the whole album is Planets Mad.
2: Planets Mad, yeah.
1: So is there like a climate change agenda or message he's trying to promote? Or is it more societal, you know, classes so, are mad at each other, et cetera? So,
2: the, so the, the literal story is a planet appears in the sky one day and people are all reacting to it different ways. And some people just start like a cult and worshiping it. And then, um, and then all of a sudden the planets crash together, but no one dies. Everyone just kind of ascends. Um, it's very it's very loose um I, I think it. It, I think if anything it's more like um it's more of just a uh, uh, what what's the word like kind of a reaction to the general apocalyptic feeling more than anything else as opposed to necessarily having a specific like political or societal take um I mean Bauer himself has been you know pretty vocally in support of um particularly the black lives matter movement um he actually the album was supposed to come out um the on june 5th and basically that week he was just like i don't feel like promoting an album right now give me a couple weeks and just like spent a couple weeks just pretty much entirely just doing amplifying and whatnot on his social media which you know big respect to him for that like i think it's i think if anything like it is an extremely chaotic album. And just by that description, like you can probably see kind of where that came from, but I I think it really is just more of a kind of an embodiment of the general anxiety we're all feeling right now. Um, uh, So I don't know. I mean, that said I have, I'm only three listens in at this point, so I'll, I'll have to, I'll have to keep parsing out any sort of political message. There's only one song with lyrics, so it's not like there's really, there you go.
1: Well, well yeah, yeah, he just took, I like how he took, you know, the chaos of the world and didn't make it literal, but kind of made it a uh, figure. Yeah. So that's
2: cool. That's crazy. Yeah, exactly.
0: Yeah, and he's gone a long way from literally being a meme yeah. um, with the Harlem Shake. Yeah. Um, we actually did the Harlem Shake thing at Missouri. Wasn't it, <laughs> like, like, one of the first that.
1: schools to really do it?
0: Yeah, and, like it was crazy. And like, we're like, okay. And I was like, man, I'll never hear from Bauer again. And then it just, he, he evolved um, and everything too. So um, even from AA, it sounds like he's evolved even a little bit more uh, too.
2: So, I mean, one day we'll have to talk about how Harlem shake um, was what it's chart impact. I could go off for (laughs) about that, but um, that was, that was definitely a turning point for billboard in, in terms of, realizing how memes are starting to um shift popular music consumption. And that's a whole other topic. Uh, but, you know, gotta, gotta, gotta I that that's the thing at this point that I always think of for Harlem shake Almost just because of how different the rest of his work has been, I almost dissociate it from Bauer and think of it more as the the meme, you know, which mm-hmm. kind of says something in itself.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So we you know Chris has been listening to a lot of Bauer. Stefan, any new things or old things or what have you been listening well, there, to? Well,
1: there's two that I really want to listen to. I'm going to be spending a lot of time in the car this weekend. One is Bob Dylan uh, released, I think, his 39th album. Jesus Christ. Yeah, he, he mad, right? Isn't it, Bob Dylan's mad? Um, know. It is called Rough and Rowdy, it's so, old so old. kind of along those <laughs> lines. Yes, Rough and Rowdy translates to so he mad. Um, and. He, and yeah, I think his words carry a lot of weight. Um, it carried a lot of weight in the sixties, and I think these times are kind of reminiscent of those. So I'm excited yeah, for it's that one. Thirty nine albums. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, thirty-nine. Not all of those have been great, but this one's getting great <laughs> reviews. Um, I think Pitchfork gave it nine stars, Rolling Stone loved it. But yeah, there was a few decades of Dylan that were not great. Fair. It happens. And then what else do you want to, uh, to? Phoebe Bridgers, she's released uh, two great singles, Kyoto and Garden Song. I have not listened to the album in full, but I need to. Um, and then there's like a lot of great Juneteenth playlists. Uh, I've seen them on Spotify. I'm sure Apple has them. Um, I've discovered a lot of cool music from the last few years on there. So I advise anybody to check those out, um, especially yeah, sure. to, given um, the last month or so of events.
2: Not necessarily Juneteenth, but sorry, just real quick, the little baby song, um, big, uh, bigger picture is definitely one that that I keep coming back to. Definitely, that was a real growing
1: point for him. I was definitely recommend
2: anyone who hasn't listened to that song to give it a listen because it's really powerful.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah, um, I think that the two things i've listened to uh the j cole uh, oh song. yeah it was there was you, beef uh, right with no name uh, yeah he's beefing with no name uh who's from chicago um and i was like this is kind of crazy out of nowhere um j cole does like to speak his mind i'll say that i mean he had the kanye diss song too mm-hmm. um that was on you know false prophets uh so he speaks his mind, which I think is part of the reason why people like J. Cole a lot, but uh, No Name came back with her own stuff, too, so, you know, got to respect where that is, um, too, but also surprised none of you guys said uh, the new Black Eyed Peas album. Oh. Kind of <laughs> I did forget about that. <laughs> we mentioned it literally this morning. We already forgot. I think um, it's called um, Translation. I will not listen to it. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Translation. It looks like... The the cover is, looks like a mix of them as sim slash Fortnite characters, which maybe that's the point. I don't know. Um, I will not listen to it, but yep. it's out there. I guess if you guys want <laughs> to listen, it's to a it. thing. Uh,
1: <laughs>
2: it, it anyway, it There's is. There's no
1: Fergie on it. Spoiler alert.
0: Oh yeah, that's why we're doing Fergie today then uh, yeah. for this one So uh, we have actually updated our playlist, mm-hmm. so go and listen to that uh, We'll update it again um, too um, I actually put on Party Like a Rockstar <laughs> on that playlist because uh, Spice <laughs> why not? it up like, with a little throwback <laughs> here listening to. Uh, right. Let us know what you guys are listening to on any of our social channels Or if you want to email us or anything like that as well too But let's get into the show As you all know for now, Legal Reasons can't play the song here, but once want you to go listen to it. It's a great song, so please go listen to it. Get yourself familiar with it. If you guys want to, watch the music video because we're going to break down our thoughts on the music video. So if you guys want to go and check that out, we'll put that in the show notes, but go watch it. And then on the other side, we will break it down into memories, history, production, lyrics, and listen to some notes that remind you of glamorous, and we'll see you on the other side. that we are back let's break down some first memories or just general reactions about the song is this the best fergie song Um,
2: it could be i think it has a i think it has a pretty solid stake to that claim
1: yeah with if i mean if you classify only fergie as a solo artist she only has two albums uh, this is definitely in the top five i'll say that easily okay yeah, I
0: mean I would say so as well too. Um I can't remember the first time I heard this song exactly, but I remember liking that Ludacris was in this song. Mm-hmm. Um I am a huge Ludacris fan. Uh we actually all got to see him in concert. Uh that, that was a very ludicrous show and a very funny show as prong. well. Uh yeah, we saw him at Loufest. Fest. Um very, very random, but it, it was a good show. He put on a good show. Um great lyricist for most of time flow everything too so i think i remember that being one of the reasons why i listened to it but it was all over the radio Mm -hmm. and i know that probably in the top 10 back then episode will break down maybe why you know it was released the way it was and everything too but i think it that spoil it but it was released then kind of pulled back and then had a resurgence, mm-hmm. so maybe you know you might have remembered it, and then it went away and came back because it did. Um, but I can't pinpoint the exact moment. But I know it's one of those that everyone—not everyone knows, but most
1: people are gonna know and go wild for when they hear for it. Sure. Yeah, the spelling of the actual song title really drives it into your head. Um, if you had trouble spelling that song, your Fergie probably helped. So if you had a spelling <laughs> test or something with the word "glamorous," right. you have her to thank. And then, like to your point, Ludacris is on this song. We talked about Rihanna last episode, like kind of spicing up whatever song she's in as a feature artist. And Ludacris, really, toward the back half of this decade, was kind of the male version of that. Like, if you needed a feature rapper, Ludacris is your guy. From Justin Bieber uh, to Fergie um, to you know actual hip hop, he was pretty versatile in terms of genres.
2: Yeah, I, I I do always remember um some of the ludicrous lyrics on this song which you know kind of pop rap for the time lyrics were wasn't exactly you know saying all that much but just he's got a really good ear for melody Mm -hmm. um and he's always he's always able to like to make his verses if not if not as catchy sometimes catchier (laughs) than the rest of the song um another one that comes to mind is chopped and screwed Oh, great song <laughs> which he mm-hmm. he definitely had a great uh <laughs> a great little moment on near the end um so yeah can't can't give Ludacris enough credit really i mean he yeah he, he had staying power for like pretty much the entire decade
0: yeah Ludacris was one of those people that everyone wanted and helped you know with outcasts to be one of those like dirty South like rappers that came up. You know, we talked about TI in the very first episode we did too, kind of in that same, you know, one in the same uh, as well, too. So, yeah, interesting that we all don't really remember our first, you know, times that we heard it or yeah. anything, but it is nice that we, you know, know it to this day still um, as well. So, let's get into some history about Fergie. So, a couple episodes ago, we broke down. The Black Eyed Peas. Black IPs, the Black Eyed Peas, what Black Eyed Pods, everything, <laughs> all in one. Uh, all of those two. are true. Um, but now, yes, now we want to talk about just Fergie uh, and herself. Uh, she has had quite the career ups and downs, everything in between, too. So,
1: Stefan, let's get into some of the history surrounding Fergie. She's definitely had lows and some highs, and we'll get into that a bit. Um, so she's born as Stacy Ann Ferguson. If you're wondering why her name is Fergie, Ferguson, Fergie, short version. Um, and she was born in 1975, so that place is heard about 45 years old now. She was probably 31, 32 when this song came out. She is an L.A. native, and um, like we mentioned on uh, Where's the Love, she was kind of in show business from an early age, first using her voice um, as the voice of Sally, In the Peanuts cartoons, that's the sister of Charlie Brown. And uh, if you listen to it, I mean, she sounds like a kid, but you can still say, that's Fergie. Just young Fergie. Little Fergie, if you will.
2: Yeah, that's crazy.
1: Yeah, and uh, she was also in a TV show called Kids Incorporated uh, from the years of 1984 to 1989. And this is kind of similar to her sync story. She met a person named Renee Sandstrom on the show, and they eventually became bandmates in similar ways of J, uh, Justin Timberlake and J.C. Shazay. So her and Sandstra meet another girl named Stephanie Rydell, and they become members of a trio named Wild Orchid, formed in 1990. Have you guys ever heard of this girl band? Nope. <laughs>
0: nope not at all. <laughs> not, not until you sent me three songs by them
1: today and i was like this is about as 90s as it oh it is. is just epically 90s they were ranked uh, 18 out of 25 of the top girl bands of all time um we'll include that list in the show notes so you can take a look for yourself um but yeah that was um ranked by us weekly so huge name in the music business especially with girl bands
2: that's a pretty good praise
0: yeah, I saw a bunch of people comment on like some of the things. They're like, I used to rock this CD back in the day. And I was like, oh, okay, then. I was like, yeah, I don't know, o- above us. But obviously some people liked them enough, and you know they got ranked. Yeah, uh,
1: they did make a mark. They formed in 1990, but it took them seven years to finally get an album out. That's a long time, oh, wow. especially if you consider the lifespan of a girl band. Jeez. So their first album comes out in 1997. It produces three singles that actually all peak in the Hot 100. Uh, One is At Night I Pray at 63, Talk To Me, The Highest at 48, and Supernatural at 70. I'll include the links to these songs, but they are like just very 90s, very girl band. Um, But the way critics described it and the way Fergie described it herself she described the music as being too urban for pop radio and too pop for urban radio. Now,
2: listening it's to this... definitely a 90s thing.
1: Yeah, and listening to this like 25 years after, I'm like, this is not urban in the slightest. Uh, there's
2: three white girls
1: and they're doing pop music. Uh, it had an up-tempo, I guess, but yeah, you can be the judge yourself. So they get their next album, Oxygen, comes out the next year in 98, after their first one in 97. It doesn't do as well. The largest single is "Be Mine" at 103. Um, so this is very similar to what happened with the Black Eyed Peas in the '90s. They have two albums, and then one does okay, and then the second kind of stutters. And it takes a real turn on their third album, "Fire," which was scheduled to be released in 2001. I mentioned in syncs, parallel uh, a parallel with in and one here is that J. C. Chazé was supposed to co-write and co-produce a lot of this album they were also in line to be the opening act of NSYNC's concert tour uh, so they were about to be elevated to a huge status that was probably one of the biggest tours in all of the land in 2001 yeah. however there was a huge roadblock and it came from Fergie um, she had a crystal meth addiction that led to them dropping out of that tour holy shit Yeah, people do not know this, but it was a huge pillar of Fergie's life. Um, She's had multiple interviews about it. She spoke to Oprah in 2012 that, you know, she was driven to drug use because the inauthentic style of the group was leading to her not being herself. And she didn't want to cause conflict. And she was at that age where she didn't know how to address it. So she handled it all internally. Jesus. Yeah, when you said
0: that even today, Stefan, you had mentioned it. And I was like, wait, what? That was a thing that happened? And that, I mean, yeah, it, you see a lot with pop stars, rock stars, everything that they do turn to, you know, substance abuse. So yeah, I'm just...
1: sad to see it. But yeah, that was kind of a shock to, to hear about it. I wasn't even aware. Crystal Meth is no joke. It's awful. Uh, she described it as the worst boyfriend she's ever had to break up with, claiming she had hallucina- hallucinations of the CIA and FBI. Coming uh, coming at her whenever she would leave the house. She ended up actually spending all of her career's earnings to that point. And think about it. She was a voice actress in a kid's show in a pretty successful, mildly successful girl band at the time. And she spends all that money and gets into credit card debt in her early 20s. So pretty Jesus. much her life savings at that point. Yeah, that's a lot. A lot to handle. And she tried to kind of tell her bandmates she wrote a song called Losing My Ground, and she showed her bandmates that song. And upon hearing it, they staged an intervention because they knew something was up. And this period of Fergie's life is so instrumental to what would become of The Duchess in 2006, the album we get um, glamorous on, because she tried to like speak out, and they just took it and said, we need to help you. This song actually ends up on The Duchess, Losing My Ground. It's an album track, but it's about addiction. And that album came out years later, but had its start right here in probably the low point of her life. They get kicked out of the NSYNC tour, but they're going on smaller tours across the U.S. This is Wild Orchid. It's 2001. One of the small stops on the tour is in a town called Minneapolis, where the radio station KDWB is doing a, a little concert.
2: And you know, KDWB?
1: KDWB. It is the pop station there. And um, they had two bands: Wild Orchid was one, and the Black Eyed Peas were the other. And this is where Fergie and Will I Am meet. So, like I said earlier, they were at similar crossroads. Black Eyed Peas had a few albums in the '90s, didn't do well. Their record was threatening to drop them. Wild Orchid have a few albums. They get kicked out of a tour, and what happens at that point? RCA, the record label that uh, oversaw Wild Orchid, actually kicked them off. They said, we're not going to release your album that you was pretty much ready to release. It's not happening. So it was supposed to be released in June 2001. RCA drops the band altogether in September of 2001. And Fergie calls up Will.i.am, who she met a few months earlier, and they start collaborating. And that is the story of how Fergie met the Peas. Yeah, Wild Orchid would go on and release one more album under a new label uh called Hypnotic. It didn't do well. It was just the duo with Sandstrom and Rydell. Um but overall, like I mentioned, Wild Orchid, you don't have Fergie without Wild Orchid, and a lot of people who didn't grow up in the nineties wouldn't know that.
2: This is all just like no stop roller coaster from when she was what, like ten? Yeah. When she started voice acting.
1: Yep, she's like pretty much 10, 10 to 14 when she's in the Peanuts, then she's going on a kid show, then she's in Wild Jesus. Orchid for like the entire decade of the 90s. It There's a slight taste of fame, then there's a drug addiction, then the bottom falls out, they get dropped, but she meets Black Eyed Peas in the middle of that lowest point in her career.
2: Now granted, this might just be me not knowing about this, but I feel like people don't give Fergie enough credit for that overcoming that
1: no not at all um and if you think about the black-eyed peas music it's not a lot of vulnerable stuff there's not a lot of lyricism and you know when fergie has a part to shine it's usually on the hook or you know in an honestly sexualized way the duchess does have those moments but it's kind of under the radar and you kind of have to peel it to the album tracks or kind of look into the meanings of the song themselves but it's more evident in her solo work, but I think you're right. The public does not give her credit for overcoming this. So she meets the Peas. Where we're picking up is 2002. Will Am calls her and says, let's try you out on the Monkey Business song called Shut Up. They love her in the sound. She records five more songs in that album. We mentioned she's not really on Where's the Love, more of a backing vocal, but she's present. Um, and then they say, you know what? You're going to be our new... Almost frontman to will I am you're gonna replace Kim Hill, who was the previous female artist in that group. Rolling Stone uh, when they looked back at this moment they said this is the moment where the band black eyed Peas they hired a blonde bombshell named Stacy Fergie Ferguson and this is where they gave up their credit of backpack rapper cred. They have made a kind of spiritual practice of recording futuristic songs from this point.
2: Probably for the better.
1: Yeah, probably for the better if you want money which the Black Eyed Peas were lacking at this point. So it worked out for everyone. Al Funk is released in 2003. And um, then you get Monkey Business in 2005. And with this album, Fergie becomes much more of, of that front man. She's on pretty much every song. If you think of the songs Don't Funk With My Heart, Don't Lie in My Humps, she's pretty much the hook or the star of that song. Um, so, you know, you don't, associate Black Eyed Peas just like with those three guys now it's always Fergie's in the picture they have their hook singer they're dominating the charts in the mid-2000s I think at this point too even like I think when I
0: listen to the Black Eyed Peas then you're like oh it is just Fergie and Will. I. am like you wouldn't you wouldn't even know sometimes that the other two were in the group yeah, so real. that I think speaks to it too that like you know she was this front man that was going but it was like oh that's kind of the will i am and fergie's show and the other two are just there
1: taboo and apple App, yeah they're there just not love them (laughs) but yeah i mean they're (laughs) they're playing second but but it seemed that way absolutely Mm -hmm. so after 2005 you get a lot of success with the peas they get grammys they get acclaim they get sales now you have the duchess uh, both Will Am and Fergie said, we're going to release some solo stuff now that we have this ride. And like I mentioned, Fergie was writing songs since like 2001. So it's been six to seven years. Um, and it's recorded in 2005 while they're touring. Will Am said, I'll be the executive producer of the album. And it definitely shows. Um, the genre of the album, the Duchess is eclectic, kind of like the P sound. It's mainly pop, but it's a huge blend of like uh, almost reggae, pop, punk. Um, You get Glamorous, which is R&B with hip-hop, you know, London Bridge, whatever that is. A a lot of interesting stuff. And then, like, the lyrics range from drug content to addiction to fame, love, and all between. And you get a really great album, one of my favorite albums of the decade. Um, And this is where we kind of, you know, peel back Fergie from The Hook Singer, The Black Eyed Peas, She said herself that um, there was a lot of vulnerability that people haven't seen from her in the Black Eyed Peas, and this album is her autobiography. So the album's released in 2006. Like I mentioned, the crazy song London Bridge is the first single. Goes number one. Fergalicious, the second single, that goes number two. And then we get Glamorous featuring Ludacris, Huge Stimulus, the third single. And Anthony alluded to this. It has a really interesting release strategy. They released it on radio on uh, January 23rd to mainstream radio. It hits 98 in its debut, climbs, it climbs, it climbs, gets to number nine about a month later, and uh, Billboard deems it the greatest digital gainer. However, Fergalicious, as I mentioned, was the second single, and it wasn't exactly losing steam yet. Um, It was beginning to fall, but it was still in the top 20. It was at number 19, and it had 15 straight weeks in the top 10. So the record label Interscope panics and they say, we got to remove this from digital retailers. We got to get Glamorous off. Why? I don't know. I don't think they understood digital promotion at the time. Who would do that nowadays? No one in their right mind would be like, all right, let's
2: pull it. That just doesn't work. Does 19
1: (laughs) to you seem like it's still like in its cycle? I mean, I think if you have 15 straight weeks in the top 10, and then you go to 19, maybe it's a sign things are going. Anything in the top 40 still. I mean,
2: even even with the Black Eyed Peas a few years later, like, Fergie could have had a boom, boom, pow, I got a feeling, number one replacement moment very easily. Like, I mean, had, had Fergalicious not hit number one, which was a very weird fact that I didn't know until researching this, Fergalicious was the only one that, of that run that didn't hit number one until clumsy but anyway um i mean i don't necessarily think that when it comes to the charts you can especially in the digital era i don't really think you can stop a moving train like that (laughs) um if anything it probably it probably had they left it alone she could have had two songs at the top rather than Kind of dull the dull the sharpness of uh, Fergalicious, and try to push uh, Glamorous back for promo purposes.
1: Yeah, it was just very strange. It's clearly the dawn of the digital era, and they didn't exactly know what would come next, and they were scared to learn. But I think we've yeah, learned sure. that it's usually positive. Um, so they pull it, and it goes. As a recap, it goes debuts at ninety eight, eventually climbs to seven. Then they pull it, it goes from 7 to 33, that's the largest drop. So within one week, it had the largest gain, then it has the largest drop. And then it falls to 55 from there. And then the next week, they say, we'll re-release this as a digital single. And boom, it goes from 55 to 8. So it's just ping-ponging all over the chart. Long story short, it eventually secures its rightful place at number one the week of March twenty-fourth, two 2008. So don't worry, guys. It was a happy story. Interscope kind of took us for a ride. It's fun to laugh at, but I'm sure Fergie wasn't happy at the moment. Oh yeah. iTunes
0: songs were still ninety nine cents then too, not a dollar twenty nine. Well, iTunes yeah. doesn't exist anymore. No, I
2: think some were like disab- six to buy. It. Was the
1: sixty nine cent like a later thing, or was that an early? Yeah. I, okay. Yeah. Clearance. It was a
2: weird. It was a weird promo tactic in the um, early 2010s.
1: Yeah, buy more yeah. undiscovered music, sixty nine cents. Yeah. But we're gonna also increase it to one twenty nine.
2: Yeah, and it was like it wasn't undiscovered. It was okay. This song's starting to lose steam, but we really want to keep it in the top ten. I think they. I think that's still how it happens. But like you said, no one really pays attention. The iTunes store is just a tab in Apple Music now. R I P.
1: iTunes. That was an era. We all had our libraries.
2: Yeah.
1: So, Glamorous, uh, it stays at number one for two weeks. Total of 29 weeks in the Hot 100. Fergie really rules 2007, parts of 2008. Um, It eventually ends up number 10 on the Hot 100 year-end, certified three times platinum in the United States. So, a huge selling single from a hugely successful commercial album. So, overall, when we look at this song, it's smack in the middle of the Duchess as a powerhouse album. It's the third of five top five singles, um, but it's our first taste of a more authentic Fergie. So let's look at the first two singles, London Bridge and Fergalicious. These are both like songs made for the club, right? They're kind of tongue in cheek, like London Bridge is a double entendre and Fergalicious is self-referential, almost kind of meme-ish. Glamorous is like the first taste of Fergie saying, look what it took to get here maybe the lyrics aren't poetic, but there's, especially when you consider the context of drug addiction, like she's pretty, she's worked her ass off to get to this point she's at. And, um, if you look at it face value, you don't see that you're like, this is a person who has had their whole career in show business. What are they complaining about? Like dreaming of the days they would make it big. No, that Mm -hmm. was actually filled with a lot of struggle and ups and downs. And in fact, losing it all before rebounding. So, uh, And basically that um, personal expose that she had on Glamorous was evident in the next few singles. I mentioned that the Duchess would produce five big hits. Glamorous walked so the song Big Girls Don't Cry could run. Big Girls Don't Cry is a very adult pop friendly song. Glamorous was kind of a bridge pardon the pun, between London Bridge and Big Girls Don't Cry, where you still have urban uh, beats, you still have Ludacris, but we're starting to get a little bit more lyrical Uh, her voice, she's singing more she's still rapping, but then you get Big Girls Don't Cry then you get Clumsy, and you get the song Finally, which is a ballad with John Legend, so really great run of singles, yeah, that finally did not reach the same heights as the other five Um, but a good song in its own right So The Duchess should definitely be known as one of the top female pop albums of the decade. There are a few records it tied or broke. It had three number one hit singles. This ties um, Christina Aguilera as the first female artist to do so. Uh, She did it in 2000. And then it produced five top five singles. All the five except um, Finally. So that's Glamorous, Big Girls Don't Cry, Clumsy, London Bridge, and Fergalicious. Those all hit number five or more. And that was a record that would stand until Katy Perry smashed that with Teenage Dream in 2012. So Duchess is great. What does Fergie do next? She takes a few years. am has his solo album. They decide, let's get the band together. We covered this in the Black Eyed Peas episode, but unfortunately, we the public get the end and the beginning. <laughs> yep <laughs> uh, and it wouldn't end there. So Black Eyed Peas becomes that earworm you can't escape. I won't rehash it. You probably know the songs. Um, personally, Fergie marries a guy named Josh Dumahel. Am I pronouncing that right, Anthony? No, no, no Josh it's Dumahell?
0: Just Josh, it's just, it, it's just Josh Dumel. And what is he famous for, Anthony? Uh, he was in if I believe so the transformers movies for a bit and then he also was in this show called las vegas uh that was big too wait josh Dumel was in the transformers
1: movies right i thought he was in like um desperate housewives I, this guy I might be thinking of the completely wrong guy anyway fergie's better than him they eventually split <laughs> up don't worry guys
0: yeah, Josh Duhamel is in Transformers with Shia LaBeouf and Megan Fox, and then he also was in a show called Las Vegas. Who my was dad loves that show. Shout out! Um, but yeah, he was Lieutenant uh, Lieutenant
1: Colonel Williams. <laughs> of course, he's showing us a picture. Yes, he's that guy. I've seen him. He's I've that. definitely maybe seen. He him. was
0: in Desperate Housewives, but I don't
1: know. He's from North Dakota.
2: Okay. Okay.
1: The more you know. Maybe the only famous guy from North Dakota. Not to hate, but... Anyway, so, yeah, she marries him. She takes a break from the Black Eyed Peas in 2016. In 2017, we get her second album, Double Duchess. Really creative on the name. Unfortunately, it was no Duchess. Uh, In terms of sales, it sold 40k in a year. The Duchess had 6 million sales worldwide. So, that is a tiny fraction of what the predecessor did in terms of um, sales. And then it had some singles like LA La Love, in parentheses, La La, that peaked at 27. And a song Chris showed me the other day, MILFs, with a dollar sign, that peaked at number 34. MILF Money. MILF Money! I remember
2: Chris played that
1: song for me once, and I was like,
0: what? on God's green earth is this? Well, I remember like, that like
2: L- LA Love was the that was initially the big comeback and everyone was kind of like lukewarm on it and then they waited a little bit and then it was like okay like this is the one that we're launching the pre-order with like this is the real first single like MILF money It was like oh oh no <laughs> <laughs>
0: It, it basically if i remember sounded like the song dance by big sean essentially because it was like the claps and like
1: stuff like that And i'm like what
0: is yeah. going on it's yeah, just it very really much does. pandering
1: to like millennials who have had children the older millennials um chrissy tegan plays a large part in the video so yeah it's milf money you're a mom but you're edgy it didn't do well um and sadly, Fergie has kind of broken off from the Peas. They've had two albums, one of which was released today. Uh, today is June 19th. You'll probably be listening to it later, but she's not on that album. Uh, the Black Eyed Peas and Fergie have gone in different directions, and Fergie's doing her own thing. Um, but if we only have the Duchess as the main stamp on her career, I think that's an awesome achievement and glamorous is one of the highlights of that achievement.
0: All right. Great breakdown of Fergie's entire career there. All right, Chris, let's get into some of this production surrounding this song.
2: Yeah. So, um, so as we kind of mentioned, hip hop influenced kind of in line with the rest of what we'd heard from the Duchess to that point. Um, But definitely a departure from kind of the energy levels of, um, of London Bridge and Fergalicious. So, this is uh so this is a Polo the Don production. Polo Polo de Don, um his his name is officially Polo da Don DA and I feel I feel weird like enunciating it that way, but that's his name. Polo de Don is is a producer who's had quite the um he he's had quite the discography. So this was actually one of his first major hits um, when he his work with Fergie in general. He's also um, in part responsible for London Bridge. But um, the one that really brought him onto the scene, uh, one that Anthony will remember fondly is "Pimpin' All Over the World by Ludacris. So definitely the Ludacris connection. Um, He also produced an all time favorite pop song of mine, Promise by Sierra, uh just a year before fantastic song um and would also go on to produce Runaway Love by Ludacris so um he uh he would then go on I I I don't want to go too far into his discography because just by listing a few of these I'm pretty sure we're going to end up coming back to him but um he gave he did give us Buttons by the Pussycat Dolls uh, throw some D's by Rich Boy, get buck by Young Buck, uh, turning me on by Carrie Hilson, um, Be- uh, body on me by Nelly, um, baby by me by Fifty Cent. I love that song. and Love This Club by Usher and Young Jeezy.
1: Who doesn't love that? song?
2: And Anaconda too. He did. That's true. Yeah, Anaconda. Um, Anaconda came several years and several more hits later, along with Hot Toddy by Usher. Um, Fading by Rihanna and Dedication to My Ex by Lloyd. So we've got a, we've got a deep discography here. And Polo of Don is pretty well known throughout all those just for kind of a, kind of a really, a really unique, um, and almost fluid sort of groove. Um, whenever I, um, whenever I, I listened to this song, I just remember like, I remember it being a it's definitely lower in kind of energy lower in lower in bpm um and in more of a more of a muted sort of register but um but you still get your head nodding um production wise it uses a lot of actually techniques that i that became much more popular a decade later um pretty lush strings, uh, mostly samples, but still very lush that were pretty heavily side-chained to the kick. You can hear them ducking every time the kick plays. Um, the same sort of technique would end up really defining future bass songs like closer by the Chainsmokers. smokers. Um, the, the production, the drums were very ahead of their time in terms of just really, really layering pitched 808s and long kick tails underneath everything instead of a traditional bass line. Um, you, do have, uh, you do have some of the bass, um, some of the lower frequencies kept in the string arrangement, which definitely is closer to its time. But again, that side chain allows basically the entire lower end of the song to be this really kind of kind of oozy hip hop um like just layer underneath a really atmospheric, um, and almost orchestral main part. So what's so it it definitely creates a very um it, it sounds on paper like it would be kind of jarring or um or contrasting at least, but it really ends up being kind of the hypnotic feeling that's um really defined a lot of hip hop pop crossover moments, um, throughout the years. Um, Fergie herself, uh, has, uh, has co-write it, uh, co-production credit. And, um, I would assume had some control over, uh, over at the very least some of the vocal, um, samples and interjections and ad libs. Um, there's, there's a number of those, uh, we mentioned if you ain't got your mon- got no money take your broke ass home. Um, that's one that, uh, that really became almost a pseudo hook of the song. Um, but in the actual hook, when Fergie comes in, that's where you really get kind of the, um, kind of the, kind of the genius of the songwriting of the song. Really? It's extremely nostalgic. You, she literally starts talking about first class up in the sky as her, as the melody kind of soars upwards, Um, and ends up floating almost like a, like a plane over the rest of it. Um, the, even, even glamorous, the, um, when the hook comes in and is repeated, it's kind of, uh, it's kind of done so in a whisper, even the spelling, um, which I definitely attribute to will. I am, he, he's not officially credited on the song, but that's the sort of thing that was kind of his trademark for a little bit there. Um, I suppose, um, I suppose it was one of those um, things that was just, you know, we mentioned the comparisons to Hollaback Girl and just in general kind of hip hop influenced pop at the time, almost uh, almost like an anthemic, like um, shout, shout the rhythm sort of moment that was happening in pop. Um, it was kind of a way to take that sound and wrap it in nostalgia, um, really kind of supporting what the lyrics are talking about. Um, so, you know, a lot of ways, just a really, uh, a really solid production, but one that I think has aged very well, um, years before, um, before, you know, singers like Taylor Swift or Ariana Grande would end up really diving headfirst into hip hop influenced pop. Um, this was, this is a sound that probably could have been transplanted into the mid 2010s, um. You have a lot of uh, kind of southern influence drum programming. Um, you have uh, like I, like I mentioned the um, just really prominent side chained drums. You have a really muted but compressed low end, um, and that's the the first thing that stood out to me when listening back. A lot of songs from this era are much are much more. Um, They don't emphasize as much of the low end of the stereo uh, um, of the speaker. Um, And when I say that, I mean, they're emphasizing the very low end frequencies that cause a kick to really hit, you know, and that's a practice that has really kind of caught steam in the past several years as, you know, for a, a lot of people are listening to songs through their phone speakers that don't have a lot of low end. So you have to really emphasize that. uh, You really have to emphasize that kick and that leads to the kind of the TikTok distortion, you know, that we hear nowadays. Um, Anyway, that practice was already starting in the um, in kind of the mid 2010s and, you know, also was accelerated by what EDM evolved into being more trap flavored and tropical house flavored. This predicts pretty much all of that. I mean, you put this song up against something else that would compete and kind of in terms of loudness, uh, nowadays. And, you know, it holds up. Um, I would not be surprised to, you know, put this in a car and and really hear it like rattle bass the same way that something else would from nowadays. So definitely a production that I think has aged well. Um, what, what parts of this, uh, instrumental really stand out to y'all?
1: The bridge where, um, she's talking about her daddy and, uh, it goes, I'm not gonna do it justice. Oh yeah, the
2: little, uh, little arpeggios. Yes, what's going on there? Mm -hmm. Um, just kind of a little synth line that's, um, going up and down throughout a key, um, with, I mean, really, really, it's a really, like, um, it's a really digitized kind of arpeggio, um, almost almost a little out of place but mm-hmm. it's yeah, it drenched out. it's drenched so much in reverb that it fits in sonically and it kind of it kind of fades out slowly enough and fades away that it feels like it's a little like she kind of talks about um like kind of like glitz and glam and all that and it almost feels like it's you know she's what i what it always kind of gave me the um impression of is like you know she's singing this song in a moving car like her head's in the clouds like remembering what her daddy what her dad told her you know and the lights are still flashing outside you know like it sounds like a little a little glimmer of the present cuts through for a second and paparazzi cameras
1: are flashing
2: yeah it's like she's you know it's like there's still a little bit of the present popping through, like, whoa, 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 and then it goes away because she's still, she's still like, nope, this is, I'm, I'm committing to this mood, but that's the reality, you know. I'm looking at this from the present, looking backwards, um, and yeah, I mean, it, it is that sort of record where you can, you can really kind of hear all the attention to detail yeah. there, um, in a lot of ways. Like, I think. I I would, I would almost suspect Fergie had a little bit of input there too, because, like you said, it really stands out and it almost kind of juxtaposes with the lyrics talking Mm -hmm. about her dad.
0: Now, Chris, too, there's like a little bit of parts, like maybe it's during the um, chorus, but it kind of sounds like, and this might, this is a very technical way of saying this, so forgive me, but it kind of does sound like a little bit like ringtone rappy, like it's like, like coin, like a Mario coin, but it's not. You know what I'm talking about? Like there it kind of reminds me of when um in uh the song with Lil scrappy uh the I got money in the bank and it's boop, like the, the like coin sound yeah so it's like yeah. boop, boop, like that and uh, that's like in the in the chorus too that that you kind of hear
2: yeah I know what you're talking about like it's like pop yeah like it's it's just kind of floating in the background um that's definitely a polo Don uh staple um and actually a lot of production of that time kind of used a lot of those similar like and and i i mean i'm not going to describe this in the most technical way either but they really just sound like little like little muted like round sounds um Mm i mean they're they sound like little um little like sine waves i guess (laughs) like uh you don't They're really just little plucks, Um, but they're they're being used in a really percussive way. And it's almost like um, like the equivalent of a tom drum. So.
0: Yeah, that's what I was definitely hearing in that. So anything else that you're thinking about talking production wise besides it aging like fine wine?
2: Yeah, I mean, definitely age like wine. Um, I don't know. It's definitely uh, it's definitely a pretty dense song. Um, in hindsight i think it i i i would think it would sound good in you know today or the past five years um you know in a playlist there but i don't know that it would necessarily have been as big of a hit just because it's it's still got that kind of ballad um energy that was still actually successful at the time <laughs> i mean besides the besides Louis capaldi we really haven't had a big ballad at the top of the charts in a while. And um that's just really not kind of the sound of the era. Um This kind of, I feel, I feel like split the difference between the folks who were really getting into for Fergalicious and London bridge and, you know, kind of achieved Fergie's main goal, which is giving, giving a little bit more of her vulnerability. So yeah, all in all, just a really, uh really intricate song. That's all. I'll well, sir
0: yes intricate indeed so thanks for the breakdown of that so let's get into some of the lyrics then um i'm gonna not break down as much like actual lyrics but more like themes with the lyrics which i think fit in a little bit better with what we've talked about and what you guys have talked about too uh the first thing that i actually just put in my notes was the lyrics and maybe the song itself, too, seems pretty effortless, right? So there's a lot of this, like, hey, like, I made it, but it's, like, not a thing that I, I made it, you know? It's kind of like, hey, you know, don't worry about my past, but she brings up her past at the same point. So it's your classic, like, rags-to-riches story, so, you know, Ryan mentioned it with her addiction, and they went through a lot, and she finds, well, I am Black Eyed and... You know, she gets catapulted into stardom at this point. But she's been using her, you know, lyrics from maybe the past six years, seven, eight years. So really putting that into it is really awesome. Um and she likes the finer things, but also likes the basics. So she mentions in her verse, um, she says, you know, the Taco Bell line where she goes, We're owning the Taco Bell. Um, and I actually misheard this lyric. I thought she said, um, Taco Bell, drunk as hell or something like that. I thought that that's what she said, and I was like, "Oh yes, we can all relate to going to Taco Bell uh, very definitely uh, in in our lives." Um, But that was not the lyric. Uh, She actually uh, said, "I still go to Taco Bell drive through raw as hell. I don't care. I'm still real." So you know, kind of talk about like you know, she likes the finer things, but also we'll go to Taco Bell. Um, But yeah, I thought it was, I go to Taco Bell drunk as hell.
1: You I can mean, be raw uh, and
0: drunk yeah, at know, the same time. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I'm so raw <laughs> it, right now.
0: Help. It does work.
2: <laughs> yeah. Uh, hopefully, not driving. But. No. <laughs> no.
0: But I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. No, talk about drunk. She's ordering through the passenger. Um, not right the line, but case. good work. Yes. Um. So that was like one of the things I thought was kind of cool. She talks in the chorus with saying, flying first class up in the sky, but I'm not too good to go get my you know, Chalupa from Taco Bell at the same time, uh, too. Um, And then, of course, the whole song starts off with uh, maybe the most famous uh, line in the song, uh, which is, if you ain't got no money, take your broke ass home. Um, And it gets, you know, recited by a couple different people throughout the the song, um, too. Um, It actually, when I looked it up, and, you know, if you guys know who this is, Kudos to you, but Raheem the Dream. Do you guys know who that is? I know Radio nope. Raheem,
1: but uh, this guy, no,
0: yeah, no, I did not know Raheem the Dream either. So I apologize, um, but there actually is a song where he says, "And it's if you ain't got no money, take your broadcast home." So it's an oh. interpolation, actually. Of I, I thought okay. it was
1: an interpolation or a sample. I just had no idea what it was. So,
0: mm-hmm. but Polo D'Don is. Saying it in this sense, so he's adding it too. But um, it was an interpolation um, that I saw on there, and I was like, "Oh, that does kind of make sense." Uh, you know, kind of bummer that they didn't come up with it on their own, but still good use of that um, in there too. So shout out to Polo Dodon for putting that in there. Um, another thing that sticks out the lyrics for me: the spelling. <laughs> I love it. Um, it is very well. I am, but it works. I maybe I just have a. a soft spot for it uh well yeah you think call back girl you know this shit is bananas b-a-n-a-n-a-s um so it was a thing at the time still is um you know even with that too but i thought it was smart to do that because it gets everyone uh talking about it and you know good on people that need help spelling too so fergie is for the kids there you go. Uh, in that case there you go Another uh, lyric that I misheard too uh, was in the chorus, uh, the flossy, flossy, flossy. I don't know what I thought she was saying, but I did not think it was flossy, flossy. Um, Yeah, I don't know. Something I thought maybe she was like fancy. I don't know. I I did not think it was flossy. Well, the
1: floss has become like a a huge dance with the younger generations. You go to any sporting event, or you could before COVID, um, and you would see a bunch of kids doing the floss they're flossing on them, but this was many years before that. Yes, so,
0: yeah, and then just in the chorus itself, too, you know, I mentioned First Class Up in the Sky, Popping Champagne, and then she says, Living My Life in the Fast Lane. Um, life in the Fast Lane, of course, is an Eagles yep. song, a very famous Eagles song, too. Um, if you guys don't know about that song, go listen to it. Yep. Great song. Um, but it is just a whole song about them, you know, Essentially, going on a bender um, and being out of control. So, uh, maybe that is maybe a tie back to her past life of living in the fast lane and maybe still living in the fast lane, but in a different way, yeah. uh, too. Um, then you get the ludicrous verse. Um, I'm actually a little critical of the ludicrous verse because I think ludicrous could do a lot better and he has done yeah. a lot better. <laughs> it's not bad. It's now, don't get me wrong, it's not bad, but I think it was one of those that, like, and this happens a lot but he he was not in the studio with her probably they said send it in you yeah. got your 16 and you know you're going to be on the song and and he was probably like done you know um chris mentioned one uh this was his first song well you know single that he was credited on after runaway love too so he was just coming off an album cycle probably too mm-hmm. so maybe he was you know running between recording studios or anything too um he does a lot of this during his um verse and i don't know the exact wording for it but he, he'll he'll just get pitched down at the end of his lines um so he says i got enough money in the bank for the two of us and it like you know pitches down is that the right way to say
2: it chris yeah it's it's a weird like chop and screwed mimic but Without doing the actual action of chopping and screwing a record,
0: <laughs> yes. Yeah, so they have that at like the end of some of his lines, um, and then he says, "You know, at the end of this, so if you ain't got no money, take your broke ass home." They kind of do it as well. Um, I did think that the clever line that Ludacris always give us in this verse was when he said lifestyle so rich and famous robin leach will get jealous um robin leach was actually uh you know the host of lifestyles of the rich and famous so i thought that was a, a pretty funny line uh, to put. uh yeah i was like uh, robin leach who's that and then i looked it up and i'm like oh okay that makes a lot more sense um too um and then um the bridge Chris, you talk, we talked about production a little bit with the bridge, um, but it does kind of go into th- these arpeggios. It kind of reminds me of just like, I don't know why it reminds you of this, but like, flying into space. Oh, yeah. Is, is that yeah. weird? To, like you like to say like that? Like, you think it's like, like twinkling. Like you hear that and you're like, whoa, like we're... Yeah,
2: it's real yeah, yeah, like
0: that's real futuristic. Yeah, you're like getting catapulted into something totally different. Um, and I think that's the whole point of it. Um, but um, bridge is key to any pop song if you guys haven't learned that by listening to our podcast by this point the bridge is really what can bring everything um together um too and you know she talks about her her dad uh, again um in this um and she actually thanks her fans too so i think that's really cool that she gives a, a shout out there and then you get the last outro um with the if you ain't got no money take your broke ass home um and i think that is kind of a great all in all, uh, to end the song, but also to end the lyrics, because, you know, I think that's something we can all live by in our lives.
1: Yeah, I I love the lyrics of this song. I think they're simple enough on paper, but if you know a bit of her backstory, they ring a bit more heavy than what, you know, might meet the eye. Um, Yeah, so... If, if you know Fergie's upbringing, you know that this glamorous lifestyle was a hard-fought fight and didn't come easy.
0: Yeah, and is a good bridge, like you said, Stefan, um, to her later two singles because you get Fergalicious and London bridge, which are more crass, maybe, or a little bit more like in your face. Maybe that's Absolutely. a better word to put wow. it, like, in your face, and you're like, okay, mm-hmm. yeah, and then you're like, you know, I mean, London Bridge. It's oh shit is the first thing you hear, and you're like, oh, okay, shit. here we go. Um, and then you get into by the end, uh, "Big Girls Don't Cry" coming in even on the on the other side, which is, are very different songs yeah. um, in the whole scheme of things, too. So great, another great breakdown of Fergie um, and this song as well, too. Um, let's get into the music video breakdown. We haven't done one of these in a while, uh, actually. Um, this is a very Interesting music video. Um I'll kinda of throw it to Stefan. Give us the premise of what is going <laughs> on in this music video and let's give it a shot. Sure. To talk about what what exactly the hell yeah, is that? Yeah, so going
1: there on. is a lot. We're jumping between timelines and scenes and fiction and reality. Um and it is wild. So we start out in what appears to be East Los Angeles in nineteen ninety four. And um, there's a guy there. And I think that's Paulo Ladon.
2: I might be wrong. Paulo um, Don. Yeah. I don't know, actually. but um, and, and he's saying in the said.
1: line, if you ain't got no money, take your broke ass home. And then the whole party in this 1994 scene is uh, cheering the lyrics. And you got some Black Eyed Peas there making a cameo. I think that's Taboo and Apple Diap. I'm literally watching the videos and I'm reciting this, folks. Um, and Fergie's there. And it's interesting. It's all black and white except her hair and the red solo cups. Cool. And she's wearing like a short (laughs) sleeve shirt over a long sleeve
2: shirt. Um, That that style just always yeah, it's
1: wild. I don't know. It just reminds me of a baseball player. It's just strange. But they're at a backyard kegger. That's literally what it says. Um, So they're having fun. There's (laughs) celebrity cameos, and then we jump to her current life. She's first class, as the lyrics indicate, and there is a man serving her champagne, as the lyrics indicate. She's loving it,
0: and that's Freddie Rodriguez that's serving. Yes, another cameo.
1: He's got that beard. He's in um some sort of dorky steward outfit, and she's loving it. She's taking the champagne, and the next part is really great. I love this. She takes out her phone, which is a sidekick, very reminiscent of the era. And she loads up a little thing called Vcast. Now, Vcast was a service. (laughs) We didn't have 3G or whatever was before 3G back then. You kind of had to pay for internet service. I don't know if it was like 99 cents for a certain amount of time. And uh, she pulls it up. And it's actually, I believe it's the My Humps music video by Black Eyed Peas. Pump it. It's Pump it. Pump Uh, it. So it is a Black Eyed Peas video. And she's playing it on a plane. I don't know how she got VCast on a plane when we can barely get that in 2020. <laughs> we can't get Wi-Fi, but she's first class, so it
2: works. Hold it off, yeah, it's first class. That's what you get. <laughs> you do the math.
1: Yeah,
0: so that's I, amazing. She pulled. She <laughs> I, didn't pulled even, it off. I didn't even think about that when I saw the video. I that guarantee you that you didn't work in 2007. There. But hey,
1: it was product placement. <laughs> you get the sidekick and VCast and a little shout out to the Black Eyed piece. So pretty cool. Um, we then leave the plane now we're in a different form of transportation we are in the car and there's two assistants and then we go back to the party for a bit and then we jump back to a new scene where she's with her assistants she's rolling through taco hall and you're like what what taco (laughs) hall did he just say that (laughs) yeah the lyrics say taco bell but they clearly didn't pay for licensing for taco bell um, if you pause the video, it says taco hall,
2: Chris, I think you said my, my suspicion is that it's an in and out. It looks like they just paint. They just like put a white thing over an in and out and put it. The colors
1: over. match in and out. <laughs> exactly. It's like yellow and red and yeah. probably in California. So,
2: and the, and the, um, what, what do you call it? The, uh, um, the drive up like menu looks exactly like, <laughs> like in and out.
1: It's great. And, um, we, we stay at Taco <laughs> Hall, but now we're back 20 years. It appears we're before the 90s. They have um, some sort of 80s attire. It's Fergie, and instead of a limousine, she's in a Mustang, as the lyrics indicate. Um, and she's with the same two assistants, but they appear to be her friends rather than her assistants. So now's the really wacky part. We're hopping between timelines, right? 90s and 2000s and a little bit of 80s. Now we go to some Bonnie and Clyde shit from the 30s this is where ludicrous comes in and we get some word art it's like the word art you used in um microsoft word when you were doing an assignment like the orange and yellow text it says glamorous it looks like like exactly indiana jones Uh, that's a better description probably what
0: they
2: were going for exactly
0: i i like to imagine that ludicrous probably was like all right listen all right, when when we shoot this, this is gonna be great. And they're just like, sure, let's. It, it matches. It doesn't match at all. all. But but
1: let's. The throw first it in. thing you see is Ludacris <laughs> holding like a automatic Thompson gun. I think that's the gun um, from that era. It's just they're both wielding like automatic gun. weapons,
0: wearing a fedora and like yeah. a pinstripe suit. It's a yeah, big old like, he looks gun. like a
1: monster. And, and Fergie's in like a, a white dress. She's looking beautiful. We're in slow motion, and she's painted to look glamorous. Ha, huh. the song is glamorous. And it's a shootout. He's rapping his lines, which don't match the scene whatsoever. <laughs> he's talking about buying caviar and champagne, and he's trying to convince Fergie to run with money away from the cops in this scene, and they're about to be shot by the cops. Okay. Um, so, yeah, that that's just a random part. After the ludicrous, we jump back. I'm sorry for all the... Hop backs and forths, but this is a wild ride. (laughs) We're back on the plane. Fergie is meeting Freddie Rodriguez again. She's boarding the plane after apparently filming this movie. And this is where uh, Fergie gets mad. I really like this part in the lyrics. Like, um, she's got people up to here. She's got people in her ear telling me these crazy things that I don't want to know. And, you know, we can all relate to that. Yeah yeah and then she, she says Fuck. she says yes, does <laughs> i didn't know that she said that actually That's yeah they the censored they it
2: very badly in the radio edit version i highly recommend you go back to it because you can tell where they like cut it and there's still the beginning of the th- it's like th- yeah <laughs> and they just they just didn't do it maybe
1: well. it was intentional that you know we're tongue-in-cheek but i'm gonna keep
2: Maybe, but it, it's playing. pretty. It's pretty. In, in the video,
1: and when that That's "fuck funny. y'all" is supposed to take place, she takes her arm like, um, like a, a boss would to a desk and just swipes things off of the little table on the the plane. So she's quite mad. Some, yeah, mad whoever told happened. her that shit in her ear, she's not having it. Um, so we're still on the plane, but then that bridge that we're talking about, where she's mentioning her daddy. Now we're jumping to another timeline where. She's wearing some ballerina shit, and she's in her house, and her dad's telling her stories and touching her cheek. So we've made another timeline jump, and, uh, you know, she's putting her finger to her head. My daddy told me so. That's at least three for you counting at home.
2: There's a lot. There's a lot to process. And then
1: we end the video as we started it. We're in 94 in the backyard kegger in East Los Angeles.
0: And you know who's in that last scene that I actually just noticed was uh, the uh, Carlton from first. Yes, Alfonso (laughs) Ribeiro. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't recognize him at first. I go, I go, what the hell? That looks like Carlton. And then I go, oh, there he is.
1: Well, he was. Um, you know. they went to bel air for the show fresh prince yeah. i'm assuming that's not too far from east los angeles and that show I took place in the 90s so there you have guess it. that
2: makes yeah, sense it was
0: just funny i was just like i was like there he is
2: like okay <laughs> a
0: lot of cameos which is good what a
2: what a video can you imagine like <laughs> writing it or I, I get i don't even know if it, they they probably wrote it but like you know just whoever was whoever was like doing the story the scenes they're like no transition here. We're just going right right to it, you know. No explanation. We're just going right to it. Like <laughs> you know, in this scene we we need the word art and we're we're just going <laughs>
1: <it>. <laughs> Yeah, we go from the nineties to the two thousands to the nineties to the eighties to Bonnie and Clyde, which I assume is the forties, thirties, yeah. and then we go back to the two thousands, then we go to when she was a kid, so it's the eighties, seventies maybe, and then we go back to the nineties.
2: What a, what a music video.
1: Oh, <laughs> well, this is really in 2007. <laughs> yes, and we and we apparently have the capability to have Vcast on planes when we don't get Wi-Fi. Yeah, it's like an alternate
2: reality of it.
0: <laughs> well, that was fun. We'll have to find some more fun music videos uh, when they come up uh, to to break down. because Hard to beat that one. They're, they're pretty wild uh, a lot of the time, too. I'm winded. Well, yes. Yes. <laughs> Well, that, again, we'll wrap it up for another episode of Over My Head. We'll look back at Pops past, presented to you by the Los Lovely Boys. That's us. We are the Lost Lovely Boys. So if you want to hear our episodes that they drop, please, like I said earlier, subscribe, download, listen wherever you listen to podcasts most. You want to add your input? Great. Find us on Twitter, Instagram, email us at loslovelyboysllc at gmail.com. We love hearing what you guys have to say about anything. We had some people tell us about what their top five rihanna songs were and why we were wrong and then i had to clap back at a couple of y'all uh for that too so um you know let us know if if you think that we made mistakes or if you thought that we should have added stuff uh, as well and also if you want to you know put your input in on what songs we should cover we're always looking at that as well too so for my co-host chris and stefan hope we weren't too far in over our heads on this one we'll see y'all next time